When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Golf Unfiltered Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. You've heard me talk about Cog Hill every single episode this season, and we will continue to do so because they are one of the premier golf destinations in the Chicagoland area. Featuring 72 holes of championship golf, including the world-famous Dubs Dread, Cog Hill has just upgraded their entire practice academy to include Top Tracer, two bars, a food truck, and a full family experience that anyone will enjoy. Go out to coghillgolf.com to learn more. We are also brought to you by our friends over at WorldwideGolfShops.com. If you're looking to upgrade your game this year, or if you're just trying to pick up some new pieces of golf apparel, or even some training aids to help you score better, WorldwideGolfShops.com has you covered. The best part about this website is they always offer incredible deals on some of the newest equipment, even just days after its release. Once again, it's WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. As I said in the intro, joining me today is my guest, Tyler Vandermulen. He is the Vice President of Partnerships over at Capstone Hospitality. Tyler, it's nice to meet you and to talk to you today. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, likewise. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So before we get into, uh, we're going to cover a lot of topics today. So before we get into what Capstone offers, as well as a little bit about just the golf industry as a whole, specifically with the focus on private clubs, because I know that's what you guys specialize in. Let us know a little bit about your background in the game, you know, how you got started in golf and what brought you to Capstone. Yeah, great question. Um, starting all the way from the beginning, uh, I'm a younger sibling, uh, only one brother, one older brother. Uh, brother and dad both played golf. My brother's about three and a half, four years older than me. So growing up, it was uh, trying to keep up with them on whatever the activity or competition was and um, never got to the point where I was a high school golfer, collegiate golfer, pro golfer, like quite a few on our staff are, but um, that's kind of where it grew. I am, a, about a four handicap, so I can definitely scrap it around the yard. Uh, probably one of the nice. more adventurous fours that you'll see. It's not going to be, uh, <laughs> center of the fairway, middle of the green and two putt. I like to make it much more adventurous than that. Um, but, uh, that's kind of where I got my start in golf, uh, was playing with my brother and dad. We'd always go, I'm from Michigan originally, Adam. So we'd always go up near mm-hmm. Traverse city for 4th of July weekend and play some golf while we were up there. And, um, the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing, thank goodness I got into the sport of the younger age compared to some of my friends that are just now picking it up here in the last few years. But um, yeah. it's just such a such a great sport. Of course, I'm a little biased. Um, that was kind of my initial intro to it. Very obvious. Uh, if I couldn't make my high school golf team, I was not going to ever become a professional of any sport, <laughs> uh, golf or not. So I very quickly right. shifted my focus on how I could remain in the industry. Um, got my undergraduate and graduate degrees from Central Michigan. Um, with sports management and sports administration as the two focal points. So from there, moved down to Northeast Florida seven years ago to work for the PGA Tour, Um, was doing corporate hospitality and sponsorship sales with them, 
And that's when I'd heard of Capstone, which is a, again, a small company just up the road here in Neptune Beach and uh, met with Brian, the CEO, and just kind of talked about our goals and our ambitions and where we kind of like to uh, spend our time. And um, there's just a lot of similarities. I loved seeing what he was doing. I grew up, aside from playing golf, my first real job was caddying, cleaning gloves, mm. carts, bag room, uh, all those fun, humbling, um, you know, things that come with those type of roles. And um, so pretty well-rounded in the golf industry. I even spent some time uh, with my undergraduate with the International Junior Golf Tour, which at the time was based out of Hilton Head Island. So one of the larger, um, smaller golf, uh, junior golf tours that's out there. So that's kind of my my um, prism on, on the golf industry and how I've kind of intertwined myself in there. Nice. Yeah. It's funny. The more I do this, the more I speak to folks like yourself, there's so many of us that started off as caddies in the bag room. And I have horror stories and <laughs> listeners, are, they've heard me say this so many times of the ball washer. It's terrible. Just the, the things that we would get ourselves into. I'm sure you probably had uh, same experiences. It's uh, yeah. I think caddying is probably one of, if not the best job you can have, especially when you're young, um, getting dropped off by your parents at you know, six mm-hmm. in the morning and pick you back up at three in the afternoon. And um, you got to learn not what to say, but when to say it, which, uh, yep. again, a lot of life lessons that can be had in a four, four and a half hour round of golf where you're chatting for somebody. Yeah, that's, that is very well said. And I agree a hundred percent. It's, it's those, those skills kind of stick with you throughout your career too, don't they? No question. Yeah. I, I reflect back on that time and I actually, um, up until just a couple of years ago, I'd still actually go back and caddy for one of the, one or two of the guys that I grew up caddying for when they would do qualifying events and other things. So lifelong friends, lifelong connections opened up a lot of doors for me as I was getting out of college. And, um, yeah, again, special times that you'll, you'll always cherish, but yeah, at the time, uh, a little bit of a thankless job sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get into capstone hospitality. So for listeners who have not heard of your company before, what do you guys do? What, what do you provide? Yeah, great question. So we're the industry leading membership sales and staffing firm for private clubs all across North America. So what that really means is we partner with private clubs all across North America, uh, mainly here in the United States, to help them maximize their membership sales. So we'll engage with the club, kind of get an understanding of their historical sales, their goals, um, any other important information, and kind of just understand where they're wanting to be and where, where they currently are. Um, if we feel like there's some small things that are kind of low-hanging fruit, We'll gladly just advise them on that and say, hey, good luck. If anything weird happens, give us a shout. Um, but if there's a larger opportunity, that's when we'll put together a proposal for our services. So that would entail uh, typically bringing on a full-time salesperson, so actually one of our employees, to be seamlessly integrated in with any number of these private clubs. Um, mm-hmm. We definitely enjoy working in the golf sector specifically. However, we do have experience in really just about anything that has a you know private club atmosphere. So We've worked with raceways, uh, yacht clubs and boat clubs, uh, more business and social clubs as well, um, but probably from a little bit of a, a bias and actually probably what we are uh, most well-tuned for is those golf and country clubs. Gotcha. And it's it's interesting because when I first learned of Capstone and uh, when I worked as a caddy, it was at a private club. Um, one of the things that came to mind is I didn't know that private clubs needed assistance getting members, but that seems to be the case sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's a lifestyle, right? You know, we're not selling life insurance. We're not selling, you know, something that's a must have. It's, it's a compliment to their life. 
So oftentimes clubs, unless they're kind of that illustrious top, you know, call it one, two, three percent that host PGA Tour events or are by invite only and actually mean by invite only. Um, yeah, otherwise, there still needs to be a formal sales process that's run. Um, because it goes without saying a club is reflective of its membership. If the membership's struggling, the club's struggling. So that was where it was born out of. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably dive much, much further into that at some point during the conversation, but that was kind of the initial uh, point of concept from Brian Friedrichs, our CEO. He, he saw a huge need for it. Um, a lot of people are great at answering the phone when it rings, but what are you doing to actually make that phone ring? What are you doing to go stir up leads? What are you doing to be outgoing and get a lot of different lead generators so that you've got just an ample number of families that are you know, chomping at the bit to join. So the listeners of this podcast, we've got listeners from all walks of life. We've got private club members. We've got public municipal uh, players. We've got people that work at both sets of clubs and everything in between. It seems like for those who might not be as familiar with the private club goings on, you know, what are some of the typical ways that people become aware of an opening at a club or even you had mentioned most often they get invited to be a member. How does that typically work? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's one of the things that we always try and teach our salespeople to actually ask so that we can track that data and actually you know, really understand it and, and use that to our advantage. So I'd say most commonly it's either new to the area, you know, especially after this post COVID world where there were so many people um, you know, fleeing certain areas and especially moving South or even just out into the suburbs um, when they're moving to a new area and you've come from a country club background, that's usually going to be one of the first things and oftentimes uh, a deciding factor on ultimately where you land. Um, the other way would just be, again, kind of that word of mouth. Maybe your friend's a member. He's invited you to come out one time in the past and that kind of sparked your interest onto, okay, so what are the, the financials behind this? What does this look like? What's the commitment level? What, what's the you know, price points? All those sort of things. I'd say that's probably the most two common ways that people kind of organically learn about country clubs, um, mm -hmm. you know, where you'll, you'll go right on their website. You'll say, wow, this looks good. It's 15 minutes away. And yeah, you know, you'll fill out the, the submit inquiry form to, to try and learn more information. Yeah, definitely. And, and you mentioned COVID and certainly that's a topic that we can go deep into in the golf space. We know that there was the golf boom uh, among COVID. I've made the joke, and listeners know this, that COVID kind of saved golf in many ways from a business standpoint. And we saw an influx across the board, not only in equipment sales, but also in golfers on the golf course. And I would imagine that we saw similar things with uh, an uptick in membership as well. Every single one of our client clubs saw a significant significant increase in just organic online inquiries. Yeah, kind of, mm -hmm. again, not you're, you're spending $0 to get these leads. These people are just naturally inclined to inquire and find out more and uh, come out and take a tour and experience the club and see if it matches with what they're looking for. Um, but without question, every club we've partnered with, and quite frankly, probably the vast, vast majority of clubs out there in North America, they all benefited from it. Again, it was probably a, a mirage of different reasons as to why. I think one of the biggest was golf was a proven safe place. So everything right. got shut down. Offices were shut down. No one was traveling. There's no sports tickets. There's no leisure travel. Okay, now you start to look a little bit closer to your backyard. What can we do? And again, I think nationally it was, it was pretty well uh, publicized that golf is a safe place. So everyone in yeah. the golf industry, without question, no one could have ever anticipated it. Because when it first happened, we said, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we were advising our clients, just kind of have to wait and see and feel it out. And then for the last 28 months, 30 months, even longer now, it's just been red hot. 
Yeah, and we've seen that across the board too. And we've had many people on this show talking about all the different kind of uh, niches and, uh, and niches within golf, whether it be equipment sales, whether it be anything else, apparel even. Um, and for the new golfers that uh, are listening to this, because we've actually seen an influx too of listeners, um, when we talk about private clubs, you would say you would think that so many people wanting a membership would be a good problem to have for these courses. But that's not always the case, I would imagine. I mean, it probably doesn't feel good to be putting someone on a wait list or even in some cases turning them away. Yeah, that's um, it definitely. It, I think it depends on your perspective as a user, as a you know newer to golf yourself or the user of golf rather than the business entity. Um, yeah, it's you never want to go. I think a, a, one of the biggest reasons I always consider as to why families join private clubs is they want somewhere that they can go kind of at the drop of a whim and know that it's probably not going to be too crazy. Um, you're not going to be playing a five hour round like you probably will at your local public course. Um, so some of those reasons, it, it's a little bit more of a challenge. Um, you definitely have to keep a closer eye on your your you know, annual rounds played at your course. Um, I think some clubs mm -hmm. get probably too bought in on, well, how many total members do you have? You know, I, I think, again, there's the old adage that it was you know, 350 golf members is packed. You don't want any more than that. Well, obviously, mm -hmm. it depends. If you have weekday-only right. golfers or someone that's only you know, playing two times a month, there's not a ton of compaction, uh, and you can certainly afford to welcome in more members than that. But certainly something you have to be mindful of. No one wants to join a club to not be able to get a tee time you know, on shorter notice or not be able to make dinner reservations or come to the holiday events because it's already at capacity. Yeah, definitely. And uh, even at the club I worked at many, many, many years ago, there were those two times a month golfers that you'd have to go pull. Oh, Mr. Johnson is here and we have to go find his golf bag, you know? So it's a matter of uh, those <laughs> yeah. types of golfers yes. as well. It's, it's crazy. So as far as uh, we've, we, you know, post COVID world three years now from uh, removed from the beginning of it. And now we're at this point where golf is beginning to see a shift a little bit. Are you seeing that on the private club side as well? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it's twofold. It's not even that you know COVID is kind of I don't want to say ended because it's obviously right. It's going to be something we deal with for the foreseeable future. Obviously, I think that the doom and gloom is certainly removed. It's not quite as much of a barrier. People are traveling again. They're spending money on vacations and season tickets and leisure travel. Um, so we've definitely seen it on that side. But you know, it's also the economy as well. Yeah, you know, inflation's up at these record numbers and. Housing market, no one really knows what that's going to do. Um, economy in general is a big reason, especially as you get into higher price point clubs um, for concern, for delay. Um, you know, again, that's usually one of the first things someone's going to get rid of is that that, um, that unnecessary spend when it, when you think of it that mm -hmm. way. You know, it's the it's not a necessity. It's not the putting food on the table. It's it's a leisure. So um, we've seen a huge shift. We actually were fortunate to present a month and a half ago at the National Club Association. Um, we did a webinar on membership sales in an uncertain economy. So on that exact topic, we built out, um, you know, a good way to kind of do a self-assessment of where your club realistically is, you know, take an honest look in the mirror and get a feel for where you're at. Um, and understand that again, the number of leads you were getting this time last year, two years ago, three years ago, throw them out the window. You know, those are complete mm -hmm. anomalies. Those are not numbers that you should be reflecting back on. It's much more accurate to go back to 2019 as your last you know, full budgeted year um, to start doing your comparisons because there's a huge shift. Uh, we've seen on average across our 25 clubs that we're partnered with right now, 
uh, somewhere around a 50% reduction on average for uh, those oh, wow. online inquiries, those organic kind of low hanging fruit inquiries. So we're definitely having to focus a lot more of our time on getting, again, those, those outbound lead generators going um, and driving families to the club to come see what it's about rather than, again, kind of wait for the phone to ring and book the tour and get them out there and, and hopefully get them signed. So when we talk about kind of how the the everyday operations of a private club and we don't have to go too deep into it but you know for the sake of the listeners that when you when you stop getting those leads there's still a lot that goes into the membership dues and everything that actually goes back into the club that benefits the club overall and then ultimately it kind of benefits the golf community as a whole i mean if you've got golf courses that are doing well whether they're private or public You've got golfers that are happy. You've got people who are spending more money on equipment and other things. And the trickle down effect is there. I mean, am I kind of in the ballpark there? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think um, there's definitely been a lot of conversation here in the last, I don't even know how long it's been ever since the PGA Tour live golf right. um, whole thing, we can call it, has yeah. been going on. Yeah, right. um, so that obviously has drawn more viewers, which is, again, great. Um you know, it's, it's a fascinating idea of, of, again, how golf can kind of support a community and how it can, again, grow the game is something that I think so many of the executives of higher up golf companies try and obviously just continue to use in their marketing. Um, but without question, um, golf is in a great place. There are certainly clubs that need to be a little bit more proactive rather than reactionary here in the next six, 12 and 18 months as they start to see things change. Um, it goes without saying the higher price point clubs, you know, if you paid a $50,000 initiation fee, you're not going to resign your membership just because you've started going back into the office one or two more days of the week. Um, right. You're not going to resign because you had a bad cop salad. Yeah. You're more, much more inclined the higher price initiation fee you pay, the more inclined you are to see the thing out and probably be a 10, 12, 15 year member on average. So it's those lower price point clubs that don't have as much of a, a hook in all reality to keep somebody invested and in it long-term. Um, that definitely need to be a little bit more weary and a little bit more proactive. Hey guys, I'm really excited to tell you about our new partnership with Trolls Golf Club. That's right, Trolls Golf Club. Now you've probably heard of NFTs before, even in passing or social media or wherever. And if you're curious about learning more, plus you want to play more golf at some of the most exclusive clubs around, then you need to go to trollsgolfclub.io, trollsgolfclub.io. They've got all the information there for you on how to get started and hey, you want to do it quick because the first mint of these NFTs is in November. Yeah, it's coming up pretty quick. Trollsgolfclub.io. So when uh, we think about these lower end clubs you mentioned too, that are still private, they're still looking for people to join. You know, what are some of the other avenues, or I guess I could say traditional avenues that these clubs would typically take to try to draw memberships in, but maybe Capstone can help get them over that hump. Yeah. And, and again, we're talking about the vast majority of clubs out there in all reality. Um, there's well over 4,000 private clubs all throughout North America. So it's definitely still the, the largest sector of, of that pie. Um, hmm. Again, they, they have someone that's probably been a long-term employee of the club, you know, potentially used to be more of an admin role, member relations, receptionist, uh, executive assistant that again, just through the years has moved up into the ranks and, Again, they, they can absolutely answer the phone and be informative and all of those things. Um, but one of the biggest reasons that we see a huge, huge turnaround when we place our sales directors is because of that outbound lead effort. 
Um, mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is we go in and instead of just you know waiting for the phone to ring, someone to come walk into the lobby uh, or an email to come across with you know new website inquiry, we're out there causing that. So we'll implement mm -hmm. new lead generators, somewhere between 10 and 15 new lead generators at every project we work at. Again, we track the data. So where are these leads actually coming from out of these you know new lead generators we implement? Uh, and whatever ones obviously over time yield the best results, we're going to start to hone in and focus more of our resources and time on. So each market is, of course, very, very different. Each club has its own unique history, characteristics, traits, traditions. Those are things obviously we have to be respectful of and understanding of. Um, but at the same time, that is without question uh, one of the biggest reasons we see a huge impact. Uh, on average, uh, Adam, we have a 407% increase in initiation fees wow. paid from the year prior to our partnership to the end of our first year. Wow. So whatever you guys paid last year, whatever you guys collected in initiation fees, on average right now, we're getting over four times that. On average. Wow. That's that's impressive. And, you know, it's fun. It, it's not funny. It's actually quite sad because um, the club that I referenced actually closed uh, recently. And uh, different, long story. I could save that for another podcast episode. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they probably could have benefited from a service like Cap, like Capstone based on what I'm hearing. And it's sad because we know that not only private courses, but a lot of public courses are closing. And I was reading figures the other day where it's actually a lot more frequent than we would even notice. It's an alarming that's, that's scary. It, I was going to yeah. say, I remember seeing it a couple of years ago, you know, pre-COVID, and I want to say it was almost four a week, something something yeah. absolutely startling where you're going, oh my gosh. You know, mm -hmm. Of course, there's some that are in such a prime locale. The owners don't have the, the interest of maintaining it the way they want to. And obviously they can get a, a nice big check from a developer to turn that thing into a nice little neighborhood. But um, that is one of the biggest reasons I take pride in what I do is seeing those clubs turn around, seeing those clubs that are having really tough decisions, staffing, um, reinvestments into the property, maintaining the golf course to the degree it needs to. You know, there's there is great joy in knowing that we come in and not only does the golf course improve, not only are they able to hire higher quality staff, um, but ultimately every single department at that golf club or country club is seeing a huge uptick in revenue. So all the employees, I mean, every little, the vendors, everything kind of like you talked about earlier folds mm -hmm. into that kind of community feel of it. So, um, yeah, it, it's, I, I'm alarmed at the rate that, that clubs are closing, but, um, we certainly are hopeful that we can continue to do our part to keep as many of them up and running as we can. Absolutely. And you mentioned staff at the golf course is, uh, very, very important. Uh, but also your team over at Capstone, uh, you've got quite the lineup from what I understand. You've got, uh, well, talk a little bit about the types of, uh, staff you have. Yeah. Our staff is, um, it's very diverse. We're, we're very fortunate. Um, our staff is made up of a pretty well-rounded group of individuals. Um, I'd say the vast majority initially when we were a very small company, 10, 12 employees, a lot of them came from that golf background. You know, so starting mm -hmm. with Brian, our CEO, uh, he was a collegiate golfer at Florida Gulf Coast University. Um, following that, he went out on the mini tours. So technically, he started Capstone in 2009. However, he really went out on the tours immediately following that. So we didn't really get started until about 2013. Um, but he was traveling across North America, uh, South America in an RV, uh, trying wow. to trying to hit it big. So that's where his beginnings were. He actually won his first two tournaments, um, only to never win again. So I think that that might have been a, a curse, unfortunately, where he thought, wow, I can do it. And it just proves, obviously, how much talent there truly is at the golf level. It's it's unbelievable. It's a conversation for another day. 
Um, right. So that was his start. From there, um, he actually got introduced through his family's church that they belong at. Um, they did an annual Ryder Cup type of event, and he got paired with okay. a gentleman named Jim Tuminello. So Brian and Jim were the A players on the two different teams. Um, and Jim had some experience kind of doing this consulting and membership sales at clubs and kind of piqued Brian's interest and said, hey, you know, obviously you've experienced a lot of country clubs. You've traveled across the globe. Um, I think there's something here. And sure enough, that was really all it took. Brian went in, convinced a couple of clubs to kind of let him prove his, his method. He did it firsthand himself. He was the membership director selling. And he was, again, just making these incremental changes to what they didn't think could be done. You know, clubs go in and they don't, they don't believe that they can sell four times what they did last year without a major renovation or something really mm -hmm. drastic changing. Um, so we have a lot of players that do that. We've got coll former collegiate players, a handful of other mini tour players, um, people like myself who kind of worked in the golf industry, not not nearly on the professional or collegiate side, but um, very diverse group. I think that our latest count, we've probably got right around 30 employees. Um, so we've got a leadership team here in Neptune Beach, Florida, of about seven or eight of us that oversee our sales team, uh, go out and get new clubs for us, uh, recruiting, um, admin, everything, remote sales as well is something that we help clubs with. So if mm -hmm. they just feel like they need a boost on what they're currently doing, they can send us all their leads and we can work them through our process. And then if we need to uh, send them back to the on-site membership director for a tour and things like that. But um, very, very diverse group, energetic, um, very competitive, of course, being salespeople ourselves. Sure. Um, but it, it's a, a great company culture, very small, um, really care about the goals and ambitions of our employees. And again, always try and promote internally and, and keep building this thing. So. Excellent. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a great team behind you to, to meet your goals as a company, of course, but also to, you know, help the game of golf overall, uh, not only just in the private sector, but generally speaking. Now I want to go back really briefly, uh, to, um, the reaction that some of the clubs say, like that you had mentioned, they can't believe the, uh, percentages that of uh, revenue that increase, uh, not to give away any trade secrets by any means, <laughs> sure. but do you notice, do you notice any trends that these smaller clubs, just small changes? Cause you had mentioned sometimes they're thinking, I got to make this big renovation, but sometimes you don't even have to do that. Do you notice any trends? Yeah. I'd say probably one of the biggest trends is the need to take them through a formal sales process. And I know mm -hmm. that that sounds silly, but I challenge anyone listening out there, go look at a couple of your local clubs in your area. And there's a good chance one or two of them are going to have pricing and information right on the website. So, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm a consumer and I don't need someone to talk to me about this or answer these questions and I can click on a one sheet document that has pricing and everything. And, you know, that takes the salesperson out of the equation. There's no opportunity mm -hmm. to build rapport, uh, get them out to experience the club, understand what really uh, makes them tick and is making them consider um, joining their club and buying a membership. So I'd say that's, again, that probably uh, in combination with just running so many different lead generations that, you know, the, the average membership director is not doing. Um, mm -hmm. And part of that is they can't do it on their own. Um, that's the uniqueness of our company. We have seven or eight leadership people here that have over a hundred years of private club sales experience. So we can easily help with a Kyle, who's our creative and digital marketing guy to put together some really impressive things. So that first impression to the prospective mm -hmm. member is first class. Um, we've got Greg, who's our vice president of membership sales. So he's staying on top of our salespeople, making sure they're implementing those lead generators, making sure their lead to tour ratios are right. Their tour to close ratios are right. Um, 
we've we've gotten it down to a, a pretty good science now where we uh, we can see problems before they happen and be pretty proactive in our approach. Excellent. Excellent. Now I, I'm putting myself in the shoes of somebody that works at one of these clubs and maybe, maybe listening to this and saying, all right, this guy's going to come into my house and he's going to tell me everything that's wrong with me. And he's going to, you know, I, I get the impression that that's not the approach you take. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, without question, we, we go into every client club that we have, we start it with a formal due diligence. So we'll go on there with some of our leadership team, um, spend three, four, five days, talking to department heads, meeting with the ownership or the board, uh, depending on if it's privately owned or member owned. Um, again, kind of some of those those key things that we mentioned earlier, understanding the traditions of the club, the goals of the club, um, the amenities that they offer, and then certainly including a competitive market analysis. So going out, finding out what their biggest competitors are doing, if they're on a wait list, if they've lost their greens, all these things are obviously so important to factor in. Uh, when you're trying to identify proper pricing and marketing strategies. And then we turn that into a, a complete uh, strategic um, plan. So we'll put all of that together, the formal due diligence. We'll turn that into, a, again, our recommendations. Um, by no means are we ever obviously going to tell a club that they're doing X, Y, and Z wrong. But we will say, hey, there's there's areas for opportunity here. There's, there's room for improvement on these things. Um, and again, they, they certainly understand that we're coming from the right place and it's based off of our experience and what we're seeing across the entire nation and all the markets that we're in. So this isn't a matter of like Gordon Ramsay coming to a kitchen and like cussing at all the staff <laughs> or anything like that. This is, you're actually partnering with them to make them, you know, improve. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I, the, I think the best way to put it is a partnership. Yeah. We don't have the authority to come in and, and change anything. Um, it's our job to convince you as to why it needs to be changed and what it needs to be changed to. At the end of the day, the ownership has to give us the green light, whether it's pricing strategies. And we think that we've got plenty of people that we can do a price increase and we really want to put some pressure on the market. Um, wait lists. You know, we definitely have some really good strategies on how to aggressively sell a wait list, which I think a lot of clubs get wrong. I think a lot of clubs like, oh, we got to that wait list. We never, you know, I've talked to so many general managers and board members in the last year that said, I've been here 10, 15, 20 years. I would have never thought we'd be on a wait list. And here we are. And then mm -hmm. you start asking him, so how much did you increase your pricing? Uh, how much of a non-refundable deposit do you require at signing? How many people are on your wait list? And they go, oh, well, we're on a wait list. Are you preparing for what happens at, for the light at the end of the tunnel? So it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of the educating of, yes, you've done well. Everyone's done pretty well in, 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 you know, in their own form or fashion. Um, but what can you do to truly maximize it and make sure that the club is set up for long-term success? Once again, listeners, we're talking to Tyler Vandermeulen. He is uh, the vice president of partnerships over at Capstone Hospitality. And uh, Tyler, uh, again, thanks so much for coming on. I, I'm sure we could talk about this for, for a very long time, but there are a number of uh, course, both private and public um, GMs that listen to my show. Um, where can they find out more about Capstone? Yeah, best place would just be on our website. So our website is just www.capstone-hospitality.com. Um, you can see a, a tab on there for take action. Uh, you'll be able to see kind of a little bit more of our process and how we really, again, partner with clubs, ultimately make sure it's a proper fit. Uh, and then my contact information is right on the website there. So uh, we do offer complimentary club assessments to any clubs out there. So as you guys are planning your budgets and goals for 2023, we'll be more than happy to spend some time learning more about you and your club and, and certainly where we feel like we might be able to assist. 
There you go, listeners. Take advantage of it. Get that complimentary assessment. Go to the website that Tyler mentioned. And uh, Tyler, once again, I'm sure we'll talk again in the future, but thanks so much. It was nice meeting you and learn a little bit about what Capstone Hospitality can offer. Adam, thanks for having me on Golf Unfiltered. Greatly appreciate it. Enjoy your evening.